0: It may not be as noisy as some of the debates roiling Washington these days, but it could be one of the most consequential. Congress and the Trump administration say it's time to reform the tax code. House Republicans have drafted a blueprint that includes something called the Destination-Based Cash Flow Tax, or DBCFT for short. It would fundamentally change the way American businesses are taxed. And depending on whom you ask, it could either make U.S. companies more competitive, spur investment and create millions of new jobs, or cripple businesses and punish workers and consumers alike.
1: By ending the Made in America tax and switching to a system similar to other countries, including a similar tax rate, we'd level the playing field for the first It'll time tax in a decade.
2: Your food,
0: your gas, your medicine, your clothes. If you're wondering how to make sense of the gauzy promises, dire predictions, and conflicting claims surrounding these proposed tax changes, you've come to the right place. The Nonpartisan Tax Policy Center, a joint project of the Urban Institute and the Brookings Institution. Today, we bring you the first edition of our new podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Schalk, and this is Taxology. Taxology the podcast where our experts decode the tax code, translate the jargon, and do the math. Think of us as tax geeks in search of truth. Whether you favor the destination-based cash flow tax or are vehemently opposed, there's no denying that it's a big deal.
1: This would be the biggest change in the corporate tax that we've had since the corporate tax was introduced.
0: Alan Auerbach, an economics professor at Berkeley, has been pushing the idea for a decade.
1: Um, And I am hopeful that uh, people who have not yet uh, become sufficiently familiar with the proposal will learn more about it and come to understand uh, what I think its many advantages are. Speaker of the House,
0: Paul Ryan, and Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady are sold on it, and they're working to win over fellow lawmakers. Here's how the DBCFT would work. It would replace the corporate income tax with something more akin to a consumption or sales tax.
2: It's basically a value-added tax.
0: Len Berman is the co-founder and currently an Institute Fellow with the Tax Policy Center. He says the idea is similar to a value-added tax, or VAT, which nearly every other industrialized country collects today. Value-added means the difference between what you pay for inputs and what your customers pay you for the things you produce with them. Every time the value goes up, when a miller turns wheat into flour, when the baker turns the flour into bread, when the grocer buys the bread and sells it at a profit, the government collects a tax.
2: The tax is collected in stages at each level of production and it would turn the income tax into a consumption tax. Uh, The other part is this idea of border adjustability, which is what happens when you export something or you import something. And the idea behind the tax is that exports would be exempt from U.S. tax and imports would be subject to U.S. tax.
0: That's right, no tax on exports. Taxes only on imports and any goods and services sold inside the United States. Businesses could still deduct the cost of machines and overhead, but only the amount that they spend domestically. Unlike value-added taxes elsewhere, this one would allow you to deduct wages, but again, only on what you pay inside the U.S. Eric Toter is co-director of the Tax Policy Center.
3: So if you think of this as a consumption tax... All consumption taxes around the world are border adjusted. We have, for example, retail sales taxes in Maryland. That is a tax on purchases of goods for use in Maryland. It is not a tax on stuff manufactured in Maryland that is sold in Indiana. So the exports effectively are exempt.
0: Why propose such a radical change? mainly because economists and politicians believe the current corporate income tax system is broken. Ideally, taxes are broad-based, easy to collect, and low enough so that corporations pay them rather than going through all sorts of contortions to avoid them. Many economists believe high tax rates can hobble growth. The top federal tax rate for U.S. corporations is 35%. When you add in state taxes, that can jump to 39%. On paper, that's the highest rate in any advanced country in the world. However, the average tax rate actually paid by companies is about half that, thanks to a multitude of loopholes and an army of accountants and tax lawyers adept at finding them. One big way that some U.S. companies lower their tax bills is by earning profits through their foreign subsidiaries, stashing the money overseas, and never bringing it home to the parent U.S. corporation— An estimated $2.6 trillion in untaxed corporate income is just sitting abroad. Our biggest corporate icons, Apple, Google, General Electric, and big pharma companies all squirrel away earnings this way. U.S. multinational corporations can also use accounting tricks to dodge U.S. taxes. Eric Toder of the Tax Policy
3: Center. Because the U.S. has a high corporate tax rate, companies have an incentive to report their profits in other places, particularly in tax havens. How much can you save? In Ireland, the corporate tax rate is just 12%. Now, that's only part of the story, though. They don't necessarily sit in Ireland. The Irish government is very generous, and they may let me migrate those profits to the Cayman Islands or Bermuda, where the tax rate is zero. So what
0: if we just said we would tax U.S. companies on their worldwide income, no matter where they report it?
3: But then what companies would say, well, ah, we don't really want to be a U.S. company. We'll be an Irish company. And as an Irish company, we could still have production in the U.S. We could still have sales in the U.S. We could have employees around the world as we do now. We just have a charter, a home address, which is Ireland now, and now we're no longer subject to a worldwide U.S. tax and we can continue to shift our profits out of the U.S. Now, these so-called inversions, we have a lot of rules to try to stop them, but they're not that effective, and companies keep devising new, new ways to do this. Berkeley's Alan
0: Auerbach says tracking down corporate profits and taxing them has gotten harder because the industrial landscape has changed.
1: You know, we don't have uh, companies making things, tangible things in identifiable locations uh, which have a clear value. Uh, this, you know, the, We're not dominated by steel companies and automobile companies and others that, that make in specific locations. We're, are the, the new multinational corporation is a company that operates around the globe, relies very heavily on intellectual property to make its profit, and uh, it, it's a lot easier to tell where a steel mill is than to tell where a patent is.
0: Hello, this is Siri. Apple most certainly profited when it sold me this iPhone. But where did it earn all that money? In its Silicon Valley headquarters, where the engineers developed the software and design? In the Chinese factories, where the phone was manufactured? Or in Ireland, where it holds some of its patents? Or somewhere else? The Tax Policy Center's Eric Toter says under the destination-based cash flow tax, the legal and accounting acrobatics U.S. multinationals currently use to
3: avoid paying taxes would get you nowhere. So the advantage of the destination-based system is that it's not it, it doesn't matter where your production takes place. It doesn't matter where your headquarters are or your corporate charter is. The only thing that determines how much tax you pay is where your sales are. And companies are not going to try to avoid the U.S. market.
0: And proponents like Berkeley's Alan Auerbach contend that switching to this kind of tax could actually lure production back to the U.S. If you make something here, you get to write off all your expenses. Making it abroad, you don't.
1: This should encourage companies to produce more in the U.S., to invest more in the U.S., to report their profits in the U.S., to hire more workers in the U.S., and to pay higher wages to the workers who they do hire. This isn't because of a trade intervention or a tariff. It's simply because we would be removing a tax impediment uh, to locating production in the United States. So we basically have tax laws that penalize making
3: things in America and reward outsourcing manufacturing. We think that's really stupid and we shouldn't be doing that, and that's why we had this border adjustment.
0: House Speaker Paul Ryan and others see it as an essential way, perhaps the only way, to slash tax rates without ballooning the deficit. The Tax Policy Center has estimated that the border adjustment part of the tax would rake in more than a trillion dollars in revenue over the next decade. Douglas holtz Aiken is a former director of the Congressional Budget Office and was a top economic advisor to the Bush administration. He says it's important to push ahead.
1: Because if we stop now, there will not be tax reform, and we will be saddled with, again, a corporation income tax that doesn't help growth, hurts competitiveness, is incredibly complex, and raises almost no revenue. And that, I think, is the status quo that we simply should not continue to support.
0: But the proposal faces a wall of opposition especially from retailers who import most or all of what they sell and can't change that overnight or perhaps ever. Americans have gotten used to cheap imports and like them. Retailers say switching to the DBCFT would cause the price of everything from clothes to shoes to gasoline to soar. And retailers say their profits would plummet or even turn into huge losses. Their CEOs have met with President Trump, according to retail industry representative Brian Dodge, and they're pushing back hard.
1: We're part of a coalition called the Americans for Affordable Products, which now includes about 180 different organizations, and together we're canvassing out to try to talk to every lawmaker. The
0: trade group estimates that taxes on imports would cost the average American family an extra $1,700 per year. Meanwhile, big exporters would get a windfall, Take a company like Boeing. None of what Boeing earns selling planes abroad would count as taxable income, and it would get to deduct all its expenses, including labor costs in the U.S. Len Berman of the Tax Policy Center says they would end up with a big tax refund.
2: U.S. exporters would have very large negative tax liabilities. Uh, it's kind of like the refundable earned income tax credit, but that's worth six or $7,000 for a poor family with children, this might be worth 60 or $70 million for a multi-billion dollar company.
0: Berman says to some, that will look a lot like corporate welfare.
2: The optics are not good.
0: Okay, so this will permanently make imports more expensive and exports cheaper, and that should shrink the U.S. trade deficit, right?
2: It's not going to
0: do that. Berman says most economists think prices, imports, and exports would eventually level off right where they used to be. Why? Because of what would happen to exchange rates. People would want to buy more U.S. exports and fewer imports. They'd need more dollars and less of other currencies, and the value of a currency reflects global demand for that currency. So people would want to be acquiring U.S. dollars to buy more exports? Yeah. Is that what would happen? And then and then, there would be more demand for dollars, so the price of the dollar would be bid up?
2: That's exactly it. The reduced demand for foreign products means people wouldn't want to hold foreign currencies as much. So, for example, they would dump the Chinese currency, the renminbi, and buy dollars. Eventually, when the dust settles prices wouldn't be that different from what they were before the imposition
0: of the tax. Mark Mazur, director of the Tax Policy Center, offers this example of how that would work in practice.
1: Suppose Walmart is buying toys in China. Um, There's a 20% um, uh, tax levied on imports from China. Then Walmart would be paying 20% more for those toys, everything else equal. But if there's an adjustment, a currency adjustment, that exactly offsets that, then essentially Walmart is paying exactly the same amount for the toys from China. China is getting less for those toys in terms of dollars, but getting the exact same amount in terms of uh, Chinese currency.
0: This is not just a theory. There's empirical evidence to support it. Carolyn Freund is a senior fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Economics. She's looked at what happened when countries around the world levied new border-adjusted value-added taxes. Trade balances stayed the same because...
4: Within three years, uh, the real exchange rate has adjusted to entirely offset the tax.
0: The real exchange rate measures both currency prices and the costs of goods and services in each country. Both can change, but economists don't know for sure which one would change more or how long this would take. And in the short run, Freud found, the price of imports did spike. Here, she says, the costs of shoes, clothes, food, and gas could jump by 20 or 25 percent.
4: The poor will be hurt the most because they're the ones who are living paycheck to paycheck. Anyone who spends most of their income on consumption, and it's a lot of people in the U.S., the, the median worker in the U.S. is not really saving. That means they're spending almost all or all of their income on consumption. Sales
0: taxes are regressive, says Freund. European and other advanced countries have them, but they compensate with stronger social safety nets and programs to redistribute income from the rich to the poor. In the U.S., we're not so good at redistribution. Freund thinks it's a risky step to introduce a regressive tax when inequality in the U.S. is high and rising. Backers of the DBCFT argue that the deduction for wages tilts this tax away from being as regressive as other value-added taxes. Some predict the dollar would appreciate fast, quickly making imports cheaper again and tamping down any jump in consumer prices. But if the dollar suddenly gained all that value relative to other currencies, that
4: would have major repercussions too. We really haven't seen countries do this kind of massive change all at once, ever before.
0: And remember, Freund says, the dollar is the world's official reserve currency, so this would be felt around the globe. Joseph Rosenberg, a senior research associate at the Tax Policy Center, agrees. There,
2: it is completely unclear overnight what would happen, uh, but whatever happens is bound to be very disruptive, whether you're talking about a 25 percent Increase in the dollar and what that might do to uh, emerging markets or or uh, assets uh, held by uh, foreign assets held by u s citizens or whether you 're talking about a significant increase in domestic prices uh, that that hit American consumers so I mean exactly what happens overnight uh, I, I, I think I think even proponents would have to acknowledge that. Uh, that there's, there's substantial uncertainty and, and, and um, some fairly sizable impl- uh, consequences of, of, of what might happen.
0: And some U.S. trading partners do not like the idea one bit, partly because they've been listening to candidate and then President Trump's speeches on trade.
3: Every country, virtually, every country that we do business with looks at us as the stupid people, We're the piggy bank that they're just keeping. They take our jobs. They take our money. So to other countries,
0: a tax reform that just happens to slap a 20 percent tax on imports and hand a tax subsidy to U.S. exporters is worrisome, says Carolyn Freund.
4: Some are already thinking about retaliation and what products they would pick. They're picking products in Wisconsin and Texas because that's where the two proponents, uh, Paul Ryan and Kevin Brady, uh, come from. So (laughs) this is the kind of uh, political backlash you know, th- that's unfortunate. And I think for the proponents of the tax, it- it's a case where the talking points matter. Because if you have th- have an administration that is calling this a border tax and calling this a way of addressing the trade imbalance, then it does look and smell like something that's against international trade rules. A trade-neutral way to collect corporate taxes more efficiently?
0: That may be easier to sell overseas, but not so inspiring to politicians and voters here at home. Even the name, destination-based cash flow tax, is something maybe only an economist or a real policy wonk could get excited about. Len Berman of the Tax Policy Center sees a paradox.
2: In the long run, this plan could be brilliant. But as John Maynard Keynes said, in the long run, we're all dead. This policy will live or die based on its short-run effects. And I wouldn't bet a lot of renminbi or dollars on its chances.
0: But now at least you understand it. Please let us know what you think and what else you want to know. And tune in to the next edition of Taxology from the Tax Policy Center in Washington, D.C. I'm Kathy Schalk. Thanks for listening.